Sound Pages is a literary series featuring resident artists in the Jack Straw Writers Program. There was a man in a car. There is a man in a tan car with his window rolled down, looking for a boy. This program features the work of 2015 writer Aaron Malone. Curator Kevin Kraft sat down with her in the studio. Why don't we begin by uh, hearing a little bit about your current project, what you're working on uh, as a Jack Straw Fellow. I intended to write a long poem, so I started with a poem that was in my application packet, and I thought, I'm just going to go from here. I'm going to let it unwind. And instead, I found myself framing something differently with other poems. So I actually am now thinking in terms of a book-length manuscript around this project, which has to do, in 1983, in the small town where I was growing up, there were two children, two boys, who were abducted and murdered. So that's the basic story. Uh, But the story that layers over that and why it's so important to me is that my brother died at the same time as the first boy was found. So on the day that my brother died, he was 11, and he died of natural causes. The first victim, who was 13, was found. Weirdly, I had forgotten all about the murders, the abductions and the murders. And so I guess my question, one of my questions in in doing this project is, why? You know, what are those tricks of memory? And I think in my case, it was probably, you know, my, my own grief and my family's grief. But then my other question is, why uncover it and why now? How does one approach the writing? You have a traumatic event like that, and obviously one could amplify that in the writing, uh, dwell on the trauma the way the news media does, right? I mean, there's that sensational aspect. But poetry is not known for sensationalism per se. (laughs) (laughs) How does one... uh, How are you discovering ways to approach that event that make it manageable for you? I think by not going at it head on, you know, so the the poems I'm writing, I wrote a poem about dissecting um, a mouse in my freshman biology class, you know, years after this event. But suddenly that memory just surfaced. Other ways in, you know, little, I, I read a poem, I respond to poetry that I'm reading, and sometimes it'll just trigger something. It's just a flash. But it's interesting how when a poem or when a subject wants to be talked about, it will be talked about, mm-hmm. it will be written about. And so even if I'm writing about cows not coming home, what I'm really talking about is the disappearance or the loss of, of boys in the community. Why didn't you read a poem? Okay. This is called Childhood. Childhood huddles, tying its secrets with the drawstring of its sweatshirt, face half hidden. It appears not to hear, or maybe the distance between you makes it easier to pretend. Aren't you cold? No one wears a coat. The air breaks in stiff little clouds around us. Louise rims her eyes with coal. 
There was a man in a car. There is a man in a tan car with his window rolled down, looking for a boy. In the labyrinth, keep one hand on the wall. Keep one hand on the wheel, turning. Louise teaches me to light a match into the windbreak of my hand. The sky is vacant, the bus late. The make of the car is lost. Maybe it wasn't even there for you to see. Was there a man at the corner in his car with the window down or not? I love the image of the no one wears a coat. <laughs> that is such a childhood thing, right? What, what is it about children? They don't want to wear, they want to shed <laughs> it's so it's such a it's such a young teen thing too, you know. I guess all teenagers, but I'm just seeing it right now with my boy, you know, I just realize I really don't have a lot to say about clothing choice. <laughs> and so when you see him walking down the street, I'm not responsible for that, just so you know. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, in that poem you hear the there was, there is that switch mm-hmm. of verb tenses um seems very alive and arresting. Mhm. Well, I read this account, and and the account is so real to me. I almost feel like I do remember it. And then I thought, well, could I actually have remembered it? Did this happen? Was I a witness? And I don't really know. So those are where the that question comes in. Was there a man at the corner in his car with the window down or not? It's fascinating how we become a mystery to ourselves. Mm-hmm. I like the way you handle it, though. I mean, you introduce a character. It starts off general, but then Louise comes in. Mm-hmm. Who's Louise? Louise was one of the the girls that um, that was at my bus stop. Louise was there, and then a boy named Jerry was there, and the three of us just you know we lived in the suburbs where it was so safe, and we would wait for the bus every morning. What did it feel like to drop that specific name, that proper noun, into the poem? Did it feel like a moment of time had crystallized for you? Yeah, it was really, I just remembered so much about her suddenly, you know. In fact, I can picture her in my mind standing there with her Journey t-shirt on and, you know, the ripped sleeves and the <laughs> the hairstyle. I've got it all. It's just, you said crystallized. That's the perfect word for it. Now we'll hear a selection from Aaron's live reading. So before I read my poems, I thought I would uh, start by telling you about an argument I had with Billy Collins about 15 years ago. Um, About 15 years ago, he gave a reading at the University of Colorado where I was teaching, and the next day he gave a workshop. Sometime during the workshop, maybe in response to a poem on the table, he said and I'm paraphrasing, there's not room in poetry for memory, Mm. to which I disagreed. Um, I think that we all have things that haunt us that we need to write about, and a great place to do that is in poetry. Um, So I'd just like to say, um, Billy Collins, if you're listening, because you know he's listening, um, you know, I still think you're wrong. Uh, I hope the poems I'm about to read will articulate why. This poem is called Childhood. Childhood huddles, tying its secrets with the drawstring of its sweatshirt, 
face half hidden. It appears not to hear, or maybe the distance between you makes it easier to pretend. Aren't you cold? No one wears a coat. The air breaks in stiff little clouds around us. Louise rims her eyes with coal. There was a man in a car. There is a man in a tan car with his window rolled down, looking for a boy. In the labyrinth, keep one hand on the wall. Keep one hand on the wheel, turning. Louise teaches me to light a match into the windbreak of my hand. The sky is vacant, the bus late. The make of the car is lost. Maybe it wasn't even there for you to see. Was there a man at the corner in his car with the window down or not? Biology Lab. First, he led us to inspect them, mice in aquariums lined with cedar shavings. As if it were a magic trick, we nodded, and like an audience, we held our breath when he dropped cotton balls into the tanks and sealed them. As they died, he put the mice in our hands so we could feel their heartbeats ease away. Two days before Thanksgiving, most of us had plans to leave. Outside the lab, it was dark already. Now you will secure them to the pans, and we lay them on their backs and spread their limbs. We weren't thinking about the nature of cruelty, though the mice were still warm. Some of them twitched as we pinned them. Why did they have to be so freshly dead? I can't remember now. To observe respiration as it ebbed, I guess. The light drained from my partner's face. I wanted to go home. It was dark and I had to pack. Now the first incision down, he said, then laterally, like an eye. You're making a door to go in. My partner stepped back. The room was over warm. I picked up the blade and cut into the white fur, neck to abdomen. Time capsule. They felt the wind on the down of their necks. After the murders, children in the town dreamed of houses melting into the sky. Fear built its hive inside them. But as they grew, their memories dwindled like their bicycles that became too small to ride. The graves lay buried beneath the tree's shadows. Parents split and moved away. One sister survived. One witnessed the dark ceiling of every midnight fall into her thoughts. Reminders kept surfacing. A red bike hooked to a chain-link fence. A note folded in a pocket and put through the wash until she couldn't read it, until it was grit between her fingers. But she knew you will only be a ghost sliding through the trees. This crumbling... Once upon a time, she sank her foot into the shoulder of a shovel. Cows. Usually they find their way without the farmer, without the earnest dog behind them. When they didn't come, we rang the bell, 
and when it was far past time for milking, we left our places at the table. The coffee, our beds, everything grew cold. We called the neighbors. Weeks went by, and while we waited, we painted the barn red to attract attention and cleared the field of stones and with them built a church to house our grief. That was before we knew it could never be contained. The universe takes its time as the moths eat the sky into our sweaters. Okay, now for something a little different. Um, so at the same time that I'm talking about memory, I'm also writing poems that have to deal with aging. Um, and you know how you become your mother if you're a woman and if you're a man, you, you become your father at some point, um, supposedly. Those poems won't write themselves is what my mother would say if she were here to watch me watch the plastic bags that hook the wind like gulls and if she thought I might get paid for poems. I'm trying to nap to the tisking sound of a dime in the dryer. My mother's in my head. Always something that needs doing, the dust. Look, I've sharpened all my pencils and stuffed them in a cup. I wonder how many sides a life has. She's training her roses. I want to trade in all my words. The handful I have I've heard before, birds and trees. I'm tired of windows, bones. Let's say motorcycle, meaning once I was young. Time had to open its big mouth, and now I'm the mother running after us. Put on a helmet, where are your shoes? Ask how many sides, but the answer is it circles. At night, when I can't sleep, it circles. I'd be lying if I said I didn't gulp for breath against the sky's great robbery, if I didn't count backwards to trick myself. Together, we forget the books we've read. There are bee stings, shopping lists, little slights. It's long distance. I'm not too busy to hold a phone. She doesn't want to hold me up. We're nearly. I keep drafting versions. My mother wears my future hands. And I'm going to finish with a poem that I think is sort of the nature poet in me coming out. And also it's a little bit of a prayer. Testament. Where there's no view of the bay, I hang a painting of the bay. The world is half full, half tame, like the cat next door that answers my neighbor's calls sometimes. It leaves birds dressed out on my table as if by a gentle undertaker and removes them before morning. Is it because I'm older that I remember how to pray? More and more, I like the wilderness of me in spite of the weight I've been assigned, my faded color, the first knuckle on my left hand flattening, swell and ache. Until now, my heart has played an owl questioning its subjects. Costume it instead as a land animal browsing apples abandoned to the grass, and after all, let the world's accidental gaze be kind. I offer my breast to the technician positioning me. I hold my breath for the camera.
Thank you. Sound Pages is a Jack Straw production. The 2015 curator of this program is Kevin Kraft. This episode of Sound Pages was produced by Daniel Gunther and Levi Fuller. Recording engineers are C.J. Lazenby, Tom Stiles, Mo Preventure, Daniel Gunther, and Steve DeTori. Narrator is Alyssa Keen, and executive director of Jack Straw Cultural Center is Joan Rabinowitz. Theme music by St. Helen's String Quartet, produced through the Jack Straw Artist Support Program. The Jack Straw Writers Program is made possible with support from the City of Seattle Office of Arts and Culture, Four Culture King County Lodging Tax Fund, the Washington State Arts Commission, the National Endowment for the Arts, Arts Fund, and individual contributors. Special thanks to Power to Give donor Bruce Oberg. All of the writers heard in this series are published in the Jack Straw Writers Anthology, available for purchase and featured online at jackstraw.org. Thank you for listening.